Hello, everyone. Welcome back to James Cameron's Titanic Scene by Scene. I'm Brittany Butler. I'm Ethan Brim. And we're moving on to Southampton. Ugh, I love this. Finally, we're going back to 1912. And the transition from the wreck into the ship back in 1912 is so perfect. Yeah, yeah. I keep trying to imagine what it must have been like to have seen this back in 97 in the theater. That sort of technology of like seeing a shot like that pulled off Mm -hmm. the human element of the of it being the titanic you know what i mean it's like this this wreck and then we get to see it transform back in time finally we get to see it alive and what it was like and it's just such Mm a it's a majestic scene with the score Mm -hmm. it's it's so perfect i love that dissolve yeah it's really good i mean just the way cameron james cameron understands how to tap into emotions better than most other directors like he's at the top of that list mm-hmm. yeah it's great i actually think i remember i watched i was it's it's in one of the many documentaries or you know just videos of um people that worked on the film talking about you know their memories of it i think they said in the movie theater like at like the premiere or something mm-hmm. when it did the dissolve transition from the wreck to 1912 for the first time people were screaming they were like really? cheering no way. they were so excited they were like blown oh, away cool. by what they were seeing they were like so excited because mm-hmm. not only is it just the ship i mean he recreated the whole world like you know what i mean like yeah. like that southampton dock like you are there like you know what i yeah. mean it's, it's like amazing. a star wars thing like it, it feels like you're you're you've been inserted into this universe mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a set whereas like a lot of times you see that kind of stuff feels like a set mm-hmm. but this feels like you're there mm-hmm. oh and the score just it it captures that majesticness of the titanic mm-hmm. and how wonderful it was and how grand and one of the first things they show is the car um okay. oh yeah being loaded onto the ship oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i didn't even think about that okay. yep which is a setup for later on in the movie yeah. And that car was actually a car on the actual Titanic. Oh, okay. It was purchased by a first-class passenger named William Carter. Hmm. That, that was his car, and he was traveling with his family. But yeah, just, just interesting that they put that in there. They made a... And again, it's so subtle, right? Like Yeah, I didn't even notice it. I right? Mean, I noticed it, it, a car, but I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. Yep. They just subtly put that there to be like, oh, yep, here's this car, like, being loaded into mm-hmm. the thing. And like, yeah, we see it later, but it's just, it's interesting, you know, that they, they show that being loaded. It's, uh, you know, seeing beyond just what's on the surface and like, there's layers to everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what's fun about like a movie like this is there like I said it's riddled with easter eggs and and, and callbacks yep. and all that stuff it's cool mm-hmm. you have to watch it more than once to you have to watch it more than probably 10 times to get a lot of this stuff exactly and like not only just the callbacks but again like the messages and the themes and everything yeah I meant to mention that in the introduction like I had said you know how someone like me who's seen the movie at least a hundred times still gets mm-hmm. something new out of it or still discovers something I never noticed before the people who say you know who either haven't seen it or have only seen it once and think they know everything there is to know about the movie yeah. by you know taking it at face value after only seeing it once or something it's like you don't even know buddy like, like there is so much no, more to definitely. uncover here but yeah so and it cuts from that setup of the car to the payoff of a setup we already got 
uh, we see Cora and her dad, and Cora is holding a baby doll with a porcelain head. Oh, like, yeah. Is her doll. So, like, and we saw the porcelain baby doll head in the wreck during Ghost mm-hmm. Ship. That puts that connection, like, you immediately, like, and some people don't even notice that, you know? But that's something mm-hmm. I always noticed ever since I was a kid for uh, whatever reason. I always made that connection from the wreck to her doll and right there like when you do make that connection you immediately are like oh my god that's probably that girl's doll or whatever and you know that like she's a child and she was on this wreck and like there's her Mm -hmm. doll in the wreck and it's just this human connection um that's just so subtle and yeah it just works so well and of course that's that line we talked about (laughs) (laughs) that's a big boat huh daddy it's a ship you're right you're right (laughs) yeah So, an interesting fact, too, I don't know if you knew this, how in this scene, everything is flipped. Uh, Okay. What do you mean? So, James Cameron had only built the starboard side of the ship. Oh, okay. um, Because for, I guess, the direction the wind was blowing... Uh, but then he realized, oops, it was actually docked on the port side <laughs> in history. So, oh man, what a headache. He mirrored it or what? He mirrored it. But in order to do that, all of the writing that you see in the scene is written mm. backwards when they filmed it. So like, what? so like, yeah. So like all the things that say like white star line are actually written backwards on like on the actual oh, set. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, so that way when they flipped it, it would make yep. sense. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that's weird. Isn't that crazy? Uh, that's crazy, yeah. It was like <laughs> apparently such a headache. Let's see, if I have a scene that takes place on the port side, but I only have the starboard hull, then I have to shoot the scene on the starboard side and then turn the film around mirror image later. So that would be starboard flop for port. <laughs> It gave us a little bit of a brain teaser trying to figure out exactly how to cheat these things so that they would look right. Where were you standing again? Uh, Who was on your right? Okay, well, if they were on your right, they're going to be on your left. And you were holding hands with your right hand, so, oh, and turn your hat around, and it was a nightmare. So if if you watch one of those bootleg copies on Daily Motion where it's a reverse image, you're actually watching... Oh my god, you're right! Everything's going to be backwards! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's the way it was. Oh my god! That's, yeah. that's exactly how it was filmed. That's crazy. Yeah, that's weird. I've never, yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. It's amazing that they were able to pull that off. <laughs> yeah, um, that's really weird. Yeah, so you know, we hear little horns beeping, and I love the way they cut to Cora. Like she looks over her shoulder, and her hair is blowing in the wind, and she yeah. she like you know looks back at these first class people riding up to the ship. We don't know who it is. And, you know, they get out of the car and it's this dramatic moment. Rose, like, puts her hand out, you know, to have the person hold her hand. And she yeah. gets out with her little umbrella as, like, a little cane, almost. And then she looks up. The people who worked on the movie, you know, they say, like, like the whole sky opens up when, uh, you know, she tilts her head up because it does. And, like, her hat takes up the whole frame. It's just so great. You know, she's just looking up at the ship and... Oh, and and she looks so beautiful, and and it's such a striking moment because this makes me really emotional too. Like I almost want to shed a tear every time Young Rose is finally revealed because also like the score swells at that moment. It's just you know we got to see old Rose for like this whole first little bit of the movie, and then we see mm-hmm. her in all her glory, like as a seventeen-year-old girl. For the first yeah. time, and again, it's highlighting the passage of time. It's like, wow, this is this person. Like, she had these memories of this time, and this is her. This is what she looked like. And uh, there's something about that that, you know, really stirs up the feelings. Yeah. 
but yeah, so we were introduced to her family and everybody. So we're introduced to her mother, Ruth, um, her fiance, Cal, <laughs> played by Billy Zane, uh, the wonderful the Billy Zane. Billy Zane. <laughs> yeah, and Francis Fisher plays Ruth and we see Lovejoy, Spicer Lovejoy, these names. We got Brock Lovett and Spicer Lovejoy uh, as Cal's uh, valet. Mm-hmm. And their maid, Trudy, are all there. And uh, these lines, like my mom and I always say these lines too. You can be blasé about some things, Rose, but not about Titanic. <laughs> it's over 100 feet longer than the Mortania. And far more luxurious. <laughs> We should have a podcast where you just like recite the Titanic. I just quote the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like I'm like an audiobook of the script. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, some people think they went, oh, God, I was going to say a little overboard, but that's not a good. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good thing to... No pun intended. <laughs> a good pun to make. Uh, but they went a little overboard with the uh, constantly talking about the ship being unsinkable. Yeah. So this is the ship they say is unsinkable. It so, is unsinkable. So, God himself could not sink so, this ship. Yeah. But, you know, the media back in the day did say a lot of things that were like, oh, the Titanic has all this new technology. You know, it's practically unsinkable. was like, I, I believe, yeah. was the actual quote. It was practically unsinkable. Um, not like unsinkable period you know yeah, uh, yeah but i think hey there might have been some passengers who really bought into that and, and thought that you know but okay so that thing where they say not even god mm-hmm. can sink the titanic my nana actually had a cousin who was going to take the titanic to new york mm-hmm. and as soon as um they heard that it was unsinkable by god Ooh. they were like no, no no that's like a bad sign and they didn't go on it oh Man. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. I would have had a relative that was on the Titanic. That's crazy. But I thought that was... In, my mom told me that, actually. I asked her about it again the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. But, yeah, so we see all, like, the luggage that they have, and it's just kind of a funny uh, callback to all Rose's luggage mm-hmm. and just, you know, that That's whole insane. thing. Were, so, so were they just on vacation in England, or were they... And they were... Go, and they're just going back home or yeah well we know Billy Zane okay. Cal is from Pennsylvania because he's a Pittsburgh steel tycoon okay okay but I'm also pretty sure that Rose and Ruth and their whole family are from Pennsylvania too because she mentions later that you know their wedding is in Philadelphia um, uh, not so they sure why live. they're in England though I don't know I don't think that's ever addressed Later on in the movie, there's a really, really, really quiet, subtle line where we find out that Titanic was actually built in James Cameron's universe with a few tons of Hockley steel. So maybe Cal was there simply because of that and for the launch of the ship. I don't know. Interesting. Who knows why they were in England? Because they have a lot of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's so crazy with this. So this is the ship they say is unsinkable. (laughs) It was funny. One of my friends... Uh, when I had him come over one time and watch Titanic for the first time with me, as soon as they said that, he like hid under a pillow fort. Like he made a fort of pillows and was like, oh no. (laughs) He was like, oh no, I can't handle this. It's going to (laughs) sink. Oh man. No, but yeah. 
And I, and I like how she was so blasé, as he says, about the Titanic. But then, like, you see old Rose, and she's like, it was a ship of dreams. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, but when she pulled up to it... And she first, she was like, ah, this is whatever. Like, yeah, and, uh, yeah. you know, it wasn't... I don't get all the hoopla, as the old people say. And as they board the ship, they subtly show the contrast between first class and third class and the privilege. Yeah. So, you know, Rose and her family get to board, you know, with no trouble at all. They just mm-hmm. walk past everybody. But then the third class are in a health inspection line and they have to get, you know, this guy's getting his beard checked, who people say that is James Cameron, but <laughs> I don't think it is. Oh, it's not? I don't think so. I think that's a stupid rumor. Oh, uh, okay. I do. Like, I, I've right. looked at it so many times. I'm like, that's not James Cameron. Like, mm, okay, okay. like, I really don't think it is. I think that's someone said that and then it snowballed and no one bothers to look further into it. They're just like, that's James Cameron. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't someone think it is. Someone just assumed it was James Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> have you watched this movie with commentary? I have watched the movie with commentary and James Cameron's commentary. I'm pretty sure he would have okay. said if it was him. Yeah, he would have said something. But yeah, so yeah. I don't know who started that rumor, but everyone still believes it. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, so they're highlighting that theme right there. Right as Rose and her family are boarding, they make a point to show the dogs that are boarding on the ship with uh, these mm-hmm. passengers. Cameron got the breeds of the dogs that were actually on the Titanic. Uh, correct, man. you know, so. So there's a line here. I want to know your thoughts on it because every movie podcast I've listened to on their one-off episodes covering Titanic have mentioned this line without fail. And so I want to know where you're coming at from this. I'm trying to think of what it is. The slave ship line. I didn't even... Wait, okay, say the line. So, Rose says... It was the ship of dreams to everyone else. To me, it was a slave ship taking me back to America in chains. Outwardly, I was everything a well-brought-up girl should be. Inside, I was screaming... Okay, so she is like, people are upset because it's like, uh, you know, unfair comparison to an yes. actual slave ship. Yes, they're like, they're like well, Rose, I, I, honestly, know, I know a few people who might object to the luxurious Titanic being equated to a slave ship. Yeah, I think she was just saying, you know, people say, uh, you know, I was, in, you know, I was enslaved in this relationship and people kind of throw, I think when you add the chains and ship to it. Yeah. Uh, it kind of makes it a different, um, makes it come across a little differently. But I think, she, I think the point was, she was just saying I was, I saw it as I was enslaved in this relationship. Yeah, which is fine if she says that, right? But yeah. If she says she's enslaved. I don't know why I didn't even think twice about that line. Yeah, I know. I never really did either. I mean, I'm not, I'm not as, uh, you know, I'm not thinking of every every single line of dialogue because mm-hmm. uh, this is essentially you know, my second or third time just watching it all the way through. Yeah. So I'm, I'm more so concerning with like, you know, other details maybe, but, uh, right. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't really notice she said that. Um, mm-hmm. That's funny. I mean, yeah. And so like people, people get a little mad about that and how it's like, wow, yeah, James yeah. Cameron, why would you write that? And you should have thought about that more before you wrote it. That obviously must've been how she felt back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. She feels like she's chained to Cal and the mother and yeah. that she's going to be like a slave to just fulfilling their wants and desires. Um, yeah. I, I, I get it. I get it. You're allowed to use the a metaphor that you're, you know, in chains without being offensive, I think. When you throw in the ship yeah. uh, into it, it kind of 
puts like two related things together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, I think it's just the addition of saying slave ship. I think yes, yeah, like, like the, ter- I, the term slave ship is pretty is pretty. Uh, I can see why that would offend people. Yeah, but, like yeah. like he easily could have said, you know, it was the ship of dreams to everyone else. But I felt like I was being taken back to America in chains or something. Yeah. You know, like, like he could have just left out the slave ship part, but I yeah. mean, what, what can you do? Um, yeah, exactly. It was James Cameron writing it, so I see why people would be mad, you know, because mm-hmm. it's still like, you know, this uh, middle-aged white guy writing about slave ships. Yep. <laughs> so, but I, but, you know, this is good, you know, slight little information here about where Rose was coming from as a person. So, you know, she says... You know, felt like it was a slave ship taking me back to America in chains. Mm-hmm. And she says, outwardly, I was everything a well-brought-up girl should be. Inside, I was screaming. Yeah. Um, and then, interesting, too, I noticed, like, right after it says, inside, I was screaming, it cuts to, like, the loudest, <laughs> the loudest honk from the ship, like, ever, yeah, yeah. of, like, the smokestacks wailing and everything. So, I don't know if that was intentional, probably. That's funny. I'm sure it was. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Uh, and it's so loud. But yeah, so it transitions to this bar across the way, which there was actually no bar <laughs> at the dock there. Uh, they wrote mm. this bar in. We see Jack, and a lot of people question as well, you know, because Rose is telling this story, right? So, they're like, how did she know that, you know, all this stuff that was happening... And it goes again with like other stuff too that she wasn't present for, like you yeah. know all the historical information and the conversations between <clears throat> officers and stuff. Like, how would she know this? But you know, it's like you can't think that deep into it. Like she, she obviously knows like the general gist of things that happen. Like mm-hmm. she knows that Jack won his ticket in a poker game. Yeah. So it, in, when it, she yeah. was telling the story, she probably just said. Jack won his ticket in a poker game, but Cameron mm-hmm. actually is showing us what happened. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, and uh, there's sometimes when point of view really, uh, like, if you mess with point of view, it negatively impacts the movie. Like, if you're talking about, like, certain twists and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but I don't I don't think it... I think here it's... I mean, I thought about that, too, um, but because she was so uh, entangled in this relationship with Jack, like, he probably told her... No, but what he happened? told everyone though. He said yeah, that's in true. one scene, he tells everyone. He's like, "I won my ticket on Titanic here at a lucky yeah. handed poker." Because you're not seeing every second yeah. that they spend together. So there's times when they're talking, and and you're, we're not seeing it. So mm-hmm. you know, if she knows the information, she's able to tell it. So mm-hmm. that's uh, I think that's not a big deal. But either way, it's just you know she might know that, but like James Cameron is showing us this is what actually happened in that moment. Yeah. She wasn't there for exactly. You know? It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, that's the thing, like, when people trying to find, like, problems with this movie where there aren't problems, Mm -hmm. they're like, ooh, that's a problem. How would Rose know? I'm like, come on. Like, come on. Um, So Jack is sort of introduced from the back a little bit. Like, we don't see him, and then they turn around, and it's like, (laughs) ah, there he is. Uh, (laughs) There he is. You know, and his first line is... When you got nothing, you got nothing to lose. <laughs> As he blows smoke out of his mouth. Um, and I think it's interesting how Leo always played like ragtag guys that yeah. were um, troublemakers or, or you know, those were like a lot of his roles when he was younger. He was almost like typecast as like the homeless kid. Like he was, he yeah, was the homeless like, kid like on Growing the Pains. Rascal who was like, 
yeah. And he had said he was like drawn to roles like that, which is yeah. You get you kind of get to be more free. I think you have more freedom probably. But it's interesting. The role of Jack was apparently suit like too free for him to sort of get on board with another pun uh, that was not intended. Um, You know, because he was always used to playing characters that had you know, a little bit more depth and they had like a lot of demons and he was playing like a lot of more complex roles, but like Jack was Mm -hmm. just super, like a super like free spirit, like an open book. He sort of had no worries and this bohemian kind of guy. And so that was apparently a little bit difficult to be like, okay, well, what am I actually drawing from if he's just this free guy? (laughs) No rhyme or reason to, yeah, yeah, he's a free, yeah, he's literally just a free spirit. You know, he goes where the wind takes him Mm -hmm. and the wind takes him uh, onto the Titanic. And something I noticed here when I was taking my notes, um, some other people have mentioned James Cameron doing this, is James Cameron needs to either show not tell mm-hmm. or tell not show yeah yeah not both so <laughs> he tends to give us both a lot of the time when you don't yeah. need to so and especially with uh some of the voiceover because a lot of times when you're writing voiceover you don't want to do voiceover for things that you're already seeing you don't mm-hmm. want to explain it in voiceover yeah. and he kind of has rose explaining certain things that you're already seeing a couple of times yeah um, here something that stood out to me was you know they're doing this poker game there's Mm. a shot they like do like a five second shot of like everything they're playing for yeah in the center of the table and one of the things is the third class tickets right yeah but then he also has olaf or uh sven i think it's olaf uh, they have him turn to Sven and say, "You moron! I can't believe you bet our tickets." <laughs> <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. telling us this. Ha- the, you know, they they bet these. It's like okay. James right. Cameron's making sure that we know. If you were half paying attention, he wants us to know. It, but it's just kind of funny the way like they give us it in subtitles as well because he's yeah. speaking in Swe- yeah, it's true. like he's speaking in Swedish. So it's like yeah. you moron, I can't believe you better tickets. So we're seeing it being written out also, yeah. and then we're seeing the ticket on the yeah. table. So we're seeing both of them. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Is that? like I never, true. I never thought about it before. I, I was like, eh, maybe a little overkill. <laughs> Don't know. And apparently the names Olaf and Sven are in Frozen. Yeah, they're like two of the main characters. <laughs> Which is like weird. When, when, like in the movie, I can't get because I've seen Frozen a couple times and like they're so, my wife has seen it probably a dozen times. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, it's so ingrained in my head that that's from Frozen and I can't get it out of my head. And obviously, I'm sure the people who wrote Frozen took it from Titanic, Titanic I feel, probably. I mean, I what? I feel like they had to have. It's too. <laughs> and it's funny because they're such small them. characters. Yeah, but, um, I, I but mean, it's just funny. Jack saves their life. Literally, <laughs> um, it's so crazy. And you know, something about that is really emotional to me too. Like, especially after you've seen mm-hmm. the movie again and you know Jack's fate, and he's so excited. This scene has like such pure yeah. joy. Leo's laugh when Olaf punches Ven instead of him and he's just like yeah. <laughs> like he's just so happy <laughs> just laughing at like just the situation it just makes me so happy and so sad at the same time yeah Titanic was huge and he just won a ticket mm-hmm. to get on the Titanic I mean you can't blame him for being excited I, I mean he won it fair and square and he's uh, this, you know, he's this poor guy and, you know, he just yeah. gets place to place by sheer luck. And he's like, oh, my God, like, now I got this. And, yeah. and, and it's also so um, 
again, it's emotional for me when he says, I'm going home. And I'm like, oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, uh, and then, you know, Fabrizio's just along for the ride. Uh, a, qu- a question, too. How do you feel about Fabrizio's characterization? Um, I, I'm not... I was, I, I'm trying to remember... Like, I mean, I, I think I remember his fate, but I'm trying to remember, like, what happens to him over the course of the movie. And I'm trying to remember if he's necessary to the story uh, other than just giving him a friend. Uh, yeah, I like it, though. I'm trying to imagine what would happen if maybe Jack didn't have a friend, like he was a lone wolf kind well, of. Well, think about it. He would have been celebrating alone and running to the ship excited alone. Like, it would yeah, be a little weird. Know. Yeah, the run, that, but that, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I mean, it could have worked either way, I think, if they wrote it slightly differently. I don't know. Hindsight. I like Fabrizio. He's, of he's, course. Fabrizio's one of my Yeah, one I, of I my like faves. him. He's just, he's just there. That, that's but, true. The, like, the king of the world thing would have been weirder if he was doing it by himself. I yeah, think, yeah. Of any of the scenes. I meant, I meant his his characterization, though, like his accent. And oh, yeah. He's hilarious. I like him a lot. Um, people yeah, hate how much of an Italian stereotype he is. I've been listening to a lot of people talking about the movie, and without fail, they all say, eh, Fabrizio, mamma mia. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're just, they're so mean about it. But, they're like... Okay, but that's, but okay, now we don't really see that. But in 1912, that's probably how, like, a lot of it, most Italian people's talk. <laughs> I know, yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> they probably all talk like that. But, you know, but now we're just like, oh, what a stereotype. What a, yeah, what a I mean, terrible back thing. Then, Back then, it was it was a it was a stereotype, but probably accurate one. I mean, yeah. I don't know, but yeah. I, I I think the thing with Olaf and Sven, they're so mad that they lose these tickets, but it just cra- like I I like to imagine them sitting, you know, and they hear the news, yeah, hearing the news and being like, whoa, what the heck? Like we literally lost a game in poker. We thought we lost everything. Mm-hmm. And we thought our lives were changed, and now we our lives are changed for the better. It's just mm-hmm. like a blessing in disguise. It's just crazy the depth of that uh, yep. just one scenario. Yep. And by by the way, so Jack wins the poker hand. Uh, I don't know if you're a poker person. If you like poker, no, Brittany. But okay, so he wins a, with a full house, tens over aces, and he only draws one card from the deck, and he beats the guy tens over aces, and the guy he the next highest hand is, I don't know, Olaf or Sven, they have up two pairs, which is a pair of eights and sixes. But before he drew that hand, before he drew that one card, Jack would have already had either a two pair of tens and aces or a three of a kind of tens, which would have beaten an eights, a pair of eights and sixes anyway. So even before he drew his card, he would have won that hand. Yeah, he was just being sneaky. No, no, I just think it's interesting. Like, he had it in the hole anyway. Jack does, like, a Simon Cowell fake out to Fabrizio. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why did he do that? You, I'm sorry, Fabrizio. <laughs> You're not going to see your mom again for a long time. Because we're going to America! <laughs> the way they did that on American Idol all the time. With, yeah. You know, I'm sorry. You're going to be seeing a lot more of us because you're going to Hollywood. Yeah. Like the audience is still like, no. <laughs> this is the oh, 300th man. time I've heard this. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, they're like, oh, I go to America, whatever. And then, nah, mate, Titanic goes to America in five minutes. And then there's something about this scene that I just love where they're, you know, they're rushing, rushing, rushing. Yeah. And you'll get all their stuff. And then the music kicks in. It's so loud. The... Oh my god, I love it. And um, 
And just like the things Jack is yelling, you know, we're riding in high style now. <laughs> the third class. <laughs> we're a couple of regular swells. We're practically goddamn royalty, Ragazzo Mio. The, uh, and then the, uh, I, I like when he says, um, uh, what does he say? We don't have we, any lice. We, we don't, yeah, we don't have any lice. You're, you're Amer- we're American. And then he's like, yeah. And then like, he just assumed, why would this American guy be with? Like a non-American guy. Exactly. <laughs> they don't even ask for Breezy. We don't have any lice. We're Americans. Both of us. That sentence makes no sense. Um, <laughs> but the officer's just like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Americans don't have lice. And Fabrizio, not American, just standing there smiling. <laughs> and they don't, like, now it would be such a, uh, you know, a process. Mm-hmm. But back then it was just, they trust them. Uh, right. Come aboard. <laughs> but they were also in a hurry to leave. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, the scene where they're running and like Jack shouting these things and he's just kind of like, woo! It's a cool scene. And they're running the length of the entire set, um, mm-hmm. which just shows how huge this was and that they actually built yeah. the whole thing and they're able to run genuinely. It's just one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. Just, again, it's just the pure joy on you know on Jack's face and how Leo's playing it just so naturally just so happy I just love it and again the music I I love it and um from when I saw it in the theater for some reason this scene stood out in my memory the most like almost like the way we were talking about (laughs) Rose remembering things from the Titanic and glimpses from me remembering my time seeing this in the movies like in the theater Mm. in 2012 uh this it, it's the ex, this just one frame just the exact frame right as they're about to turn onto the the little bridge from yeah. the from the dock to the ship like right as he's about to run onto that and he goes whoa wait wait we're passengers we're passengers or whatever for some reason that moment I just remember watching that in the theater I don't know why well it's crazy because like he was that close to missing the Titanic mm-hmm. and like that close to you know his life not ending but at the same time never meeting rose and rose's life not uh being affected by it yep it's crazy so much bittersweetness just throughout the whole thing yep again with this whole thing with like human life and time and chances and choices and all this stuff and how like everything that happens to you can or cannot like affect something later and i don't know why i remember that scene so much Mm -hmm. in the theater i think it's because like the the music is so loud in that scene yeah and it was like my first time seeing it in the theater and it was just so loud to me that just that just made like the first impression on me or something i don't know and it's energetic i mean yeah there's something about it i just love it and then they actually they included like the one shot that i love of that where jack's running and he throws his bag over his shoulder and he's so happy they put that clip in the 3D re-release trailer and that was always one of my favorite parts of the movie so when they announced that it was being re-released in 3D and I watched the trailer and they put that moment in there it almost made Mm. me shed a tear I was so happy because I don't know why I love that part so much there's something about it it's just it's just that idea of being so happy and so hopeful literally running to your death it's insane. Yeah, it's, it's it's sheer. Yeah, it's it. And that's the whole movie, and that's the thing. It's like there's this weight that is under the whole thing. Like you know everyone's fate. It's like one of those things. And some movies do this. They choose to do it. Like they tell you the ending mm-hmm. before it happens, and so the whole time you're just waiting for it. But it's I love those movies that do that because it's all about the journey getting there. Exactly. It's, it's not about the ending of the movie. It's about what happens in the middle and. I think that uh, Cameron channels that perfectly and when he's like like living in the moment, like not worrying about, 
you know, how you're going to die or how it's mm-hmm. going to end. Just living for that moment and, and living every moment like it's your last. And, yep. and uh, you know, carrying on with your life, not not concerned with, with uh, when you're going to die. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's a really, really good takeaway. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know. I just love mm-hmm. it. And I highly recommend if you haven't watched the 3D re-release trailer, it's, oh, it's such a good trailer. I've watched it like a million times. But I remember when it was posted and I was like, oh my God, my dreams are coming true. I'm going to be able to see it in the theater. Yeah. This, oh, I just got such chills watching it and I still get chills. I, I did watch it. I watched, rewatched it uh, before the last, um, before the intro episode. Mm-hmm. It's a good trailer. Yeah. The way it's like the world's most beloved and acclaimed film yeah. re- <laughs> returns to theaters in yeah. 3D. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but it's so good. Anyway, so that scene wraps up with Jack and Fabrizio running onto the ship and Jack shouting, we're the luckiest SOBs in yeah. the world. Do you know that? And again, it's like in it's that cool. moment, yeah, but also no. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. uh, it's it's crazy. We know something the characters don't. And yeah, there's something powerful about it. Yeah. It's like some people think the opposite, but I'm like, nah, man, like that's, yeah. that's part of the whole magic of the film. Yeah, I think and it's not unintentional. It's not like we're like, that's the point of the movie is to yeah. something that the characters do. Yeah. God, we, you know, we've said it. It's like, we don't know what happens to these characters. Like the first time you watch it, yeah. um, you know, that's why I hate when people say, Oh, I'm not going to see Titanic. I already know how it ends. Like, especially if those people are unfamiliar with the yeah. the fictional story, mm-hmm. um, which definitely has yeah, its, its own a, amazing ending. So you don't think the filmmakers knew that people know how the, the Titanic, Titanic ends, like, yeah. <laughs> like, people, like, they know that everyone knows that the Titanic sinks. Like, yeah. It's not, it's not, it doesn't escape their brain. They're like, oh, I didn't think about the fact that everyone knows <laughs> Ah oh, man, how are we gonna make this work? <laughs> no. like, they know. <laughs> they they had this on their minds. Trust me. And it is amazing that they were able to make such an effective movie, knowing that everyone knows how yeah, it that's ends. The beauty, you know? Well, that's the beauty of disaster movies, I think, and it's also why there's not a lot of disaster movies, I think, anymore because mm. you don't you know how things are gonna happen, but you don't know the the stories within it, and it's being able to. Being able to make a compelling story amidst all this tragedy, that's the hard part, I think. Right. Yeah. Well, that wraps up Mm -hmm. Southampton. Southampton. Lots of good stuff there. I I love Mm -hmm. the stuff with Jack. I really do. It makes me so happy, so sad, so conflicted. (laughs) We get more of that moving forward. but Definitely. Thank you guys so much for listening. Check us out and follow us on all the socials. Links will be in the description of this podcast episode. Spread the word. Leave a nice review if you like what you're hearing. We'd really appreciate it. Send us any of your thoughts on any specific scenes at titanicscenebyscene at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail through Anchor, and there should be a link to that in the description as well. And that's about it. So we will see you guys in the next scene. See ya.